feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, we're going to talk about later on in the show, if you thought the George Santos saga has gotten wacky, uh, let's just say maybe a drag queen dance. There's a hint. This is going to get wild, and we have a new update on that. We're going to talk about that later on in the Rita Cosby Show. Also, we have coming up later on in the show, John Solomon, who has some blockbuster information. He's going to be joining us in the next hour on the show, talking about some new explosive details about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and also some very questionable business partners of Hunter Biden and the money train, which I contend could be very much the beginning of the end of President Biden's presidency. Meantime, the border has also been an enormous disaster. It's something we have talked about here on the Rita Cosby Show, but things are getting really dangerous and really gruesome. Uh, Tulare County, California, which is about 30 miles north of Bakersfield. I used to work in Bakersfield when I was a young reporter I was an anchor and reporter at a station there in Bakersfield. I know Tulare, California very well. It's very much sort of a rural community, a lot of farming, a lot of agriculture. There's definitely a lot of migrants. Uh, and no surprise, sadly, because they have had a bit of crime in that area. But now crime has gone to a whole other level and basically an execution of essentially six family members in a home and execution where they were shot in the head. And many people believe this is from a cartel. And the reason this is, first of all, obviously a horrible story. It also deals with a mother who was about 16 years old, a very young mother, and her 10-month-old baby, both of them also executed. So it just shows how ruthless, how brutal, how horrible And also the fact that these cartels apparently are crossing our border. This is not just a Mexico problem. This is now an American problem. And that's why this horrible killing has gotten so much attention in the last few days. As police and officials there say, it looks like the work of cartels coming from Mexico, especially dealing maybe in the agricultural industry, because, again, it's a big agricultural area there in Tulare County, California. And because of that, they believe this is a very disconcerting sign of an open border that is allowing these cartels to basically commit heinous crimes without repercussion so far in America. And also just shows that they are fearless. They don't care. They are ruthless. And they are also now inside America operating and executing citizens in this country. So there are a lot of really big, serious questions tonight uh, as now this open border is taking a really ugly turn. And coming up in about 20 minutes or so, actually about 10 minutes or so here on the show, we're going to have former DEA agent Derek Maltz is going to join us. 
Um, this guy is one of the best of the best in terms of law enforcement, and he's going to give us his take on what happened in California and what it means about the crisis at the border that is now taking a very brutal, horrible, ugly turn. And this comes as we are getting new details now about how many people have crossed the border. There's reports that this month, 250,000 migrants crossed the border. I'm talking about the month of December because they tally it, you know, a few weeks later. So basically the month of December, which was the last month on record, 250,000 plus, that would make it the biggest amount of migrants ever crossing that we know of into the United States illegally in American history. The other number that even came close was like 241,000. That was in May of last year. So that was a historic high at that point. And now it has topped it with 250,000. That doesn't even include the Godaways, guys. That doesn't even include that. And it just shows how dangerous, how porous, and how wide open it is. And this comes as New York City Mayor Eric Adams is saying, you know what? He went down to the border in El Paso. He met with the migrants. I give him a lot of credit for that. At least he talked to the migrants. Remember, it was like a a Potemkin village when Biden went down like, I see nothing. I don't see anything. There's no migrants. Everything looks great. But at least in Eric Adams' case, he went and he met. He talked to the migrants. He saw the border. And then he came back. And it was pretty interesting what he said because it is raising tons of eyebrows. He came back and said, we need a national solution and we need a national border czar. We need a border czar, which does make a lot of sense. But guess what? Obviously, he forgot that we have one, Kamala Harris. So what an embarrassment for the Biden administration that you got a leading Democratic mayor who is very frustrated, and I'm happy to see that he is, because he should be, of what's going on at the border. And he comes out and says, we need a border czar. What does that say about Kamala Harris? What does that say about the Biden administration? That basically the way they handle this joker, this border is one big joke, and it is one big mess. 1-800-848-9222. First off, here is Mayor Eric Adams saying, you know, El Paso is a nice place, but it was a mess. How do you not overburden one uh, city? How do you spread out uh, this obligation, this national obligation that we have? Uh, El Paso is a beautiful city. um, Visually, it's a beautiful place. The city was overrun. It was unbelievable how we undermined the foundation of that city as as they're grappling, uh, like many of us are, with real problems. And I'm happy to hear him say that because it seemed like when Biden left, he was like, God, El Paso, so wonderful. I really didn't see a migrant. It was beautiful. It was like gold on the streets. You know, I mean, that was his impression. So at least he said that. And here is the line that is now taken so much attention. Here he is calling for a national border czar. There must be a national czar. I think it should be done through FEMA. We should treat this the same way we treated a, a any major disaster or major crisis. That should be coordinating with the Border Patrol, coordinating with our cities, our states, 
to make sure that we as a country absorb this national issue. And that's what I learned when I was on the ground there. The lack of coordination is really causing this to be hit by certain cities. Yeah, we need a national border czar. He forgot about the one that we have who is so professional and always so serious and never laughs at stupid things like this. Is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. (laughs) A friend in need is a friend indeed. (laughs) Okay, so this time... That was the most embarrassing, inappropriate moment. And no wonder Eric Adams forgot we have a border czar, because we really don't have one. I mean, it is such a joke. That is the part that I laugh with Kamala Harris about, because the way she's handled the border, sadly, is a joke. And that has put us in such enormous risk. But I think she's doing what the president wants her to do. He hasn't scolded her. He hasn't removed her from the job. He's doing exactly what he wanted her to do, and that is nothing. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm, line one. Norman, your thoughts about all this, my friend. Hi, Rita. Listen, I'll talk about the border and everything, but I I have to correct something yesterday. I had a senior moment yesterday, and I'm just calling to correct the information about one of the cops. Um, uh, My friend, he was officer, his name was Jeff Herman. And he was assassinated in June 1989, and it was a mistake on my part, and I apologize. And he was a young family man at the time, and, and it deserves to be corrected. Did you did and, you give uh, us the wrong first name? Was that it? Just because? No, or I what gave was the? That. I gave his his name was Jeff Herman. It was not, I gave it as Jeff Green. Okay. And well, I, you know uh, what? By the way, you were. I will also say, Norm, and I will defend you um, because. When you spoke, you were very emotional and it was really beautiful. And and your point was still, you know, just I've been thinking about your call because the loss of a friend and somebody and and obviously anybody who's in law enforcement is a friend of all of us. And my second point is I want to just want to tell you the power of WABC. After I got off the phone, I I, I gave a shout out last night to to retired Sergeant Ray Calvo, who was quite close with me. And um, anyway, and his son called me after uh, he was listening to your show and he called me after and he told me Ray died January 2nd. So anyway, so I just wanted to I just wanted to um, he was 82. Oh, I mean, you know, Norm. he had no problems. But anyway, I, I just want to give a, a shout out. Uh, my condolences to his son, Ray Calvo, Jr. and his sister, Joanna. And uh, he was. Uh, yeah, he was a, a force to be reckoned with. He was a renaissance man. He uh he was, uh, I mean, he was artistic. He collected antique militaria. He loved animals. Uh, the stories he told me about working on the pile uh, uh, September 11th and uh, all the bad guys he put away, uh, Black Panthers, uh, wow. uh, organized criminals, uh, various lowlifes, and he was a cop in the 60s and 70s. And Well, Norm, just, uh, I'm glad. Anyway. I am so glad uh, that you talked about his family and talked about him again tonight because you know how much I love our men and women in blue 
and of course our thoughts and prayers uh, with the passing and how I'm glad that they were tuning in and listening. And I hope they are listening tonight because clearly Ray was a true hero. Norm, thank you very, very much. And everybody, we're going to continue with your calls after the break and also talk to Derek Maltz, former DEA agent, about how bad things are at the border. The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great law enforcement and their families, a really powerful story and a very timely one coming from Los Gatos, California, where, of course, as you've been seeing a lot of the headlines, California has just been pounded with rainfall since last December. And the torrential rainfall has just really caused massive flooding and mudslides, making travel very dangerous, especially in that area. Well, a California Highway Patrol officer was recently able to save three people who were stuck in a vehicle that was teetering over the edge of a cliff last week in Los Gatos. Someone called 911 last Friday to report that they saw a car that was teetering on a ditch in Los Gatos. It's about, you know, it's about... 20 miles north of Santa Cruz. And when the responding officer arrived on the scene, he found that the vehicle was actually teetering over the edge of a cliff because of the inclement weather. Now, Highway Patrol Officer Murphy, with his collective calm and also clear and concise instructions, gave information basically on how to safely exit the car. The individuals in the car then followed his instructions And thankfully, they were saved. Really amazing. The Highway Patrol said, we cannot stress this enough, that please only drive if necessary. And they said that they felt that absolutely Officer Murphy's calm and clear demeanor for people who are clearly in a very panicked situation helped to save their life. As per the state, by the way, parts of California have been so badly hit with more than 40 inches of rain since these river storms began in late December. And 19 people have actually died since late December when the storms began. So thankfully, these people in this car, thanks to a great and calm officer, were able to get out okay. And that's why I always love doing this segment every night on the show, because we honor the best and the best, and that is, of course, our law enforcement. Well, speaking of law enforcement, the sheriff in Tulare County, California, that's just a little bit basically in between Bakersfield and Fresno, California. I used to work at the CBS affiliate there. I was an anchor and reporter, and I've been to Tulare County many times and talked to many of the migrants and different people that are in that community. It's a big agricultural farming community. And sadly, it has just been stricken by a horrific, horrible story of six people inside a house, including a 16-year-old mother and a 10-month-old baby, were killed, shot execution style, including the baby. I mean, this is just horrible. And it looks like the works of a brutal, vicious cartel. And apparently the police were called out to that same house about a week before. Uh, They believe that there were some issues with drugs, and also ammunition that was retrieved from the house. So there were some issues at the house. And then suddenly this happens a week later 
and all six of them killed execution style. And they believe this is a sign that these horrible cartels that we have seen all the headlines about in Mexico are no longer just staying in Mexico, that they are basically now here in America, full blown. And that is a brutal, horrible sign for all of us. Here is the Tulare County Sheriff talking about what happened in the home. This is a horrific massacre. Uh, Mentioned earlier, I do believe that the cartel is involved. I do believe that there's high-ranking gang structure involved in this. And the reason that I believe that is this is not your norm. When you have a 16-year-old young mother killed right alongside her 10-month-old son, shot in the head, and I say that, and I know it's very difficult to hear, but the people of California, the people of the United States need to hear that these cartels and this drug violence and these gang violence is taking the lives of innocent young people. And that is so scary to know that it is that easy for this cartel to do a hit like this. They are still on the run. No one's been arrested yet in this case. And former ICE agent Victor Avila also echoed those thoughts that he believes a cartel is behind this. I investigated other cartels a lot of my career, aside from the human trafficking as well. And, yeah, I, I agree with law enforcement there on the ground that this has the indicators of a cartel hit. Um, this, is what, this is what the cartel does, and I lived it. They executed my partner next to me. I got shot three times. I've seen what they do. They have no regard for human life. Uh, and, and these are the indicators. They'll shoot and kill a 10-month-old uh, uh, child that is not a threat to them, uh, a mother, and so uh, a 72-year-old man. This is a, definitely a retaliation or something for that law enforcement activity that had taken place in that home uh, just a few days before. And you have to be just cold-hearted and so ruthless. Can you imagine execution-style killing a 10-month-old baby boy, a 16-year-old girl. Uh, I mean, it's just horrible to hear this. And it just shows that these people just do not care. And this is the one thing that everybody's been so worried. Obviously, there's been so many issues with our border. But the thought of these gangs now roaming across the border, it's several hours away from the border, uh, and doing execution-style hits in America is really taking it to a whole other level. This is the Tulare County Sheriff basically saying that when he hears Mayorkas and others saying, oh, the border's secure, he says that is downright wrong. Take a listen. I think all of us who pay attention specifically in law enforcement, we see that as a flat lie. That is, in fact, not the case. There is a complete open and unsecured border, and we're beginning to see our population increase with undocumented persons within our communities. There is no way that that border is secure. There is no way it's secure. It's a flat-out lie. And who does he blame? This is a guy who's right there on the front lines. Going to our open border, unsecure open border. We have cartels, drug runners, gun runners. We have human trafficking and sex trafficking. We listen to the news all the time. doesn't matter which venue you decide to listen to. It's very clear that our unsecure border is impacting public safety all across the state of California and all across our country. I'm very upset with the the administration when it comes to President Biden's administration and not clearly seeing that the citizens of the United States are in danger. And I'm happy to hear that at least Eric Adams is saying the border's a disaster so bad that the New York City mayor, a Democrat, is saying we need a border czar. We need a national czar. Again, forgetting that Kamala Harris is supposed to be that. 
Uh, I wish he would call out Biden by name. Maybe he's getting closer and closer, it seems. He first called it a crisis. Again, that's a good sign. But I think he needs to be even more vocal because he's complaining, asking for more money and saying he's not changing the mind of it being a sanctuary city. And that's the case with a lot of these Democratic cities across America. They want more funds. And he is at least being more vocal than I think I've heard any of the other Democrats across this country. I'll definitely give him credit for that. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tommy on line one. Tommy, your thoughts about uh, the messaging between, behind Eric Adams. Yeah. Hi, Rita. How are you? Um, I, you know, when I was, when I was trained, I was in the United States Army and I, and I did my, uh, my desert training in Iraq, in, um, for Iraq in El Paso. It was a beautiful, beautiful city. I was watching the news the other day and it didn't look too nice, you know? And the thing with Eric Adams is he went down to the, I feel, I mean, it's just a thought, close speculation, whatever you want, that uh, he's virtual signaling by going to the border and saying, we need a drug czar. You know, he's looking to be either VP or higher office, maybe, you know, I think he's preparing himself. And, you know, Sid's been promoting him and defending him on a lot of things lately. Well, two or three things. First off, um, I do agree with you that I think he may be angling to try to be uh, vice president. Um, And who knows, by the way, the way things are going now with Biden, uh, there may be a presidential slot open because that guy is just tanking. Like, I I honestly think, uh, Tommy, and I'm going to talk about this in the next hour, too, because there's been so many developments that are happening with the, the classified documents. I really think that this is the beginning of the end of the Biden presidency. I mean, I think if he lasts the next two years, I'll be surprised. I don't think he's running again. He may try, but I don't think the Democrats even want him. So I do agree with you that there are some political aspirations behind uh, Adams, clearly, for sure. On the other hand, I also think he is seeing just the, you know, New York City busting at the seams. I just wish he would call out. I wish he would take it to the whole next level because already he's, you know, rocking the boat by saying, hey, where's uh, we need a national borders are the borders, are, you know, the fact that. The fact it's news when he says that it's a crisis at the border, which you and I both see, and especially you with your great military service and having been down there in El Paso, and I've been down there in the past. Um, but to, it's obvious what a crisis it is. But the fact that a Democrat saying it's a crisis is like a huge headline because Biden keeps calling it just a situation. He won't even call it a crisis because he doesn't want to acknowledge there's a problem there. So I'm happy that at least Adams is at least inching closer you know, taking a few feet every time, but I hope he takes a big leap and finally says, hey, Mr. President, not only do I want money from you, but I want you to be honest with the American people that the border is wide open. Let's see if he gets there. I mean, he's inching there, so let's hope he does because we need some Democrats to speak out to really change things and change the dynamics. It can't, it's not a political issue. It's an American issue. My goodness, as you know all too well, from your great service, Tommy. Thank you very much. Let's go to Phil, line two. Phil, your thoughts. Yeah, hi, Rita. Good evening. Uh, Eric Adams is a complete fraud, a hoaxer, and a very dangerous individual. Uh, the the people that were fussed up here, the illegals from Texas, he's coddled them and kissed their you-know-what. The problem here is that you have, Af- my wife points it out, she's African-American, that there are African-American and Hispanic families living in squalor here in New York. Meanwhile, Eric Adams says, oh, let's put the illegals up in high-end hotels and we'll pay the bill. 
What about those people, the African-Americans and Hispanics, were living in rat-infested buildings, living in ultra-high crime areas with full of drugs and violence? He doesn't look at them. They've made appeals for that. And how about the people who are living in NYCHA housing with, with no heat, some cases no running water, and, and you've got mold every, every other room? The point is Eric Adams has, has decided to turn away from his own people, people of color, and say, well, you know, I think the Mexicans deserve more because they have so little. But the point is you have New Yorkers here. And, and let me ask you, Phil, why do you think that is? Well, it's obvious. It's obvious. He wants to create through his network, him and Sharpton and a few others, they want to create a national forum and a national network on the illegal immigration. They want to cultivate, they want to cull the loyalty of these people who are coming across the border. But Rita, the, Rita, the simple fact is for every person that comes across the border, they've got a rope around their neck. Held, the other end held by the cartels that say, I'll put you across the border. I'll, I'll help you get through Mexico alive. You go in, you owe us $10,000 a year. You don't pay it. Your, your brains are going to be blown out by our hit people. You don't, you don't forward the drugs that we send you to sell. You're dead. What, what did he, look, Lorita, the bottom line, and that, that's all I have to say, is that the Bronx has become a slum of illegal immigrants, people selling for 12 hours a day, selling boxes of old vegetables on the street. I, I passed one woman and my heart broke. I gave her five bucks. She could barely speak English. She's sitting on a milk crate with a sweater on in this weather, selling, selling uh, Spanish food that she, she made with a, uh, with a barbecue grill. And by the way, I Phil, mean, Phil, is- also on the flip side, um, to your point at the beginning of the conversation, too, I keep thinking about also all these reports of all these different hotels where they basically are saying that essentially the uh, basically the migrants are having sex in the stairwell of they're trashing the food. uh, They're, you know, having beer and boozing. And so I also think of to your point at the very beginning where you talked about all the different hotel rooms. And you're right. There are many people like in New York. Uh, and I think about, you know, uh, you know, our underprivileged folks in New York. I think about homeless veterans. I think about so many of these people who you're right should be at the front of the line. And for some reason, and a lot of these people, you know, there are some that are out there on the streets trying to make ends meet or whatever. And then there's some that are trashing hotel rooms that are four and five star hotel rooms. And it's, it, this is not the situation. I agree with you. He's got it. That's why I'm saying that. You know, he he's trying to kind of have it both ways, because on the other hand, he's saying, well, we're still keeping the sanctuary city policy and we're still going to keep everybody here. I haven't heard him say nobody come to New York anymore. I mean, he keeps saying it's getting full, but he still says philosophically, we're still a sanctuary city. So he hasn't really said put the brakes on it. And he also hasn't really called out. By any means, the president of the United States and his open border policy calls it a crisis. But is it a crisis because they need more funds so they can process them more quickly? That's what Biden seems to think. So you you brought up some superb points, as always, Phil. Thank you. Let's go to Frank, line three from Canada. Frank, your thoughts from Canada. Hi, Rita. How are you? Good. What what do you guys think as you're looking uh, looking at us down south? What are you thinking? Well, I love you all, and I think you know that. I've called a few times, and uh, excuse me, I have a bit of a cold. And uh, anyway, it, 
Our government is no better. I mean, um, you got three parties to choose from, and none of the above, as far as I'm concerned. But um, but talk about so the by the way, the border issue though is not as big of an issue. I mean, you know, obviously uh, our northern border we don't worry about as much. Well, I think you should. Because, yeah, and uh, I do too. I lost, by the way, I do too. I lost a good friend uh, a couple of years ago, and it was something fentanyl involved, and. Uh, it's heartbreaking, and it's heartbreaking over that child and that 16-year-old and the rest of the families. And these gentlemen that you had on, the, the veterans and the police, every time I see a, a police officer, I go up and, you know, say, hey, thank you for your service, and I, I appreciate what you do, and uh, honor the veterans and honor the police, and you have to. You need more. And these jokes of... Camilla Harris, like, it's just so ridiculous, so bogus. I mean, they, they really think we are all that stupid, and I know you people are not stupid because I honor you so much, and without you, Canada would not be here. And that's my thoughts, Rita. Well, Frank, thank you very, very much. Colin, all the way from beautiful Canada, um, and by the way, I'm so sorry for the loss of your friend, as you mentioned, um, from yeah. fentanyl. It is such it a pervasive. Ah, oh. breaks my heart. So, like, I'm not saying it came from the United States or Mexico, but, but it came over somehow. Yeah, no, but it just shows, by the way, like how pervasive it is. Um, and the fact that it's affecting you up there, too, that is a huge issue. And uh, your point about Kamala Harris, it is it is downright embarrassing that we have someone who claims to be the borders are and we have the most open border in American history. She should be fired immediately. And I think the Biden administration, it is a dereliction of duty. And you talk about the effects, not just in our country, but your beautiful country, too. Frank, thanks so much. We're going to continue your calls, everybody, after the break. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking about the fact that it looks like January, uh, the getting the numbers now as they're coming in for the month before, which is December, of course, of 2022. The last one sort of on record looks like it is the biggest number of crossings into our country by migrants recorded ever in American history in a single month, 250,000. And again, word that it looks like. This killing of a family, including a 16-year-old mom and a 10-month-old baby in Tulare County, California, looks like the work of a cartel, a sign that they are here in America. And joining us as somebody who knows the border and the Mexican cartels and the drug business, which is big business for them, is our next guest, a great former DEA agent. He ran the Special Operations Division when he was there, expert on national security matters and also, of course, cartels and also opioids like fentanyl and heroin. Joining us now is Derek Maltz. Uh, Derek, this is so troubling. Um, first off, about this killing that happened in California. Um, and a lot of people are saying, and including the sheriff down there, that this is a sign that the cartels have come to America. Your thoughts sort of about this. So, Rita, thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it. The Mexican cartels 
have been killing people in America for many years. When I ran the Special Operations Division, I used to track all these horrific killings and torturings in America. And it was really scary because no one was paying attention to it because it was like cartel on cartel violence. But to be honest with you, people didn't care, right? It didn't get a lot of media attention. But I used to collect the photographs and I witnessed firsthand from talking to people on the ground the, the ruthless style of these killings. So what happened in California is coming to a city near everyone because the cartels are taking total advantage of this wide open border and they're sending their operatives and their hit teams into this country to, to build their business enterprise. They operate like terrorists. They kill more Americans than any terrorist organization that I'm aware of. The, I don't see ISIS or Al-Qaeda or Hezbollah killing 9,000 Americans a month, and you act like, and, and people in, in, the, in Washington at the White House, they're not even talking about this. It's really disgusting, and I'm sick and tired of talking about it because we've been talking about it for four years now. It's just getting worse. And you know what's amazing, Derek? You know, as we are sitting here and you're talking about all of this, boy, is that border just one big leaky sieve. I mean, it is astounding as you just talk about the amount of opioids and drugs that are coming through. And you also think about the fact that they are making, I was seeing a number uh, that the cartels, this is just on the human trafficking alone, made 13 billion dollars last year that doesn't even include the drug trafficking i mean this is huge money right yeah so that's the thing a lot of experts at the border you know former homeland security officials have told me that they're making as much money from the migrant smuggling as they are from the drug smuggling but here's the thing what people don't realize rita and we've talked about this but the chinese are in america moving the money for the cartels now it's all these kids that are here on student visas, picking up millions of dollars of cartel money, and then they turn it over to Chinese businessmen in America to buy real estate, to buy property, to invest in America. And that's really bad because that's a national security threat. This is the Communist Party of China. Okay, they have an unrestricted warfare on this country. And certainly, as Mike McCall said, Congressman McCall, the greatest foreign policy for China is to sell fentanyl to America. So it's not just the cartels and it's not just the invasion of migrants from 160 countries, many countries that hate us. It's the Chinese in the cartel business. And that's really something that we've been ringing the bell for a long time, but it's just not resonating. People are dismissing it. You know, it's scary, as you point out. You're absolutely right. And I think about all the opportunities, Derek Maltz, a former DEA agent, as I'm sitting here hearing it, I think about all the opportunities that Joe Biden had. He was talking to Xi Jinping. He said they've been friends for years, and yet he seems to never bring up fentanyl with them. He doesn't bring up a lot of things with them. But you would think, just as you said, as you aptly recited the numbers of how many Americans are being killed by it, it should be a priority, and he's not addressing it. Um, before I let you go, too, real quick, your thoughts on the fact that now it looks like historic numbers crossing our border. No surprise. But, you know, the fact that we've also got at this moment Eric Adams saying, where's a border czar? I mean, it's it's so yeah. bad that you've got Democrats calling for a border czar. And obviously there is one who's not functioning. Yeah, that's a great point. But I got to be honest, Rita, what's pissing me off, and that is the CBP has routinely put up statistics timely. 
So you can go on and get the Southwest Border Apprehensions. You can get all the drug statistics every month. I've been very impressed. When Mark Morgan ran the CBP, it was unbelievable how quickly the stats came out. Now, like if you go on right now today, those stats are not even out. We're getting the 250,000 number from all the sources on the ground that are leaking it, okay? But they don't even put out the Godaway numbers on the CBP uh, website. They, they don't want to tell the American public that, you know, millions, like over a million Godaways are in America already under Joe Biden's watch, and we don't have any idea who they are, where they came from, what they're doing here. And so I'm really upset about that because the government's responsibility is public safety. They also should be professional and put out the statistics so the public knows what's going on. But they're hiding it like they hide everything else. One thousand percent. We deserve to know. We need to know. And obviously it is an enormous national security, I think, just disaster in so many ways. Derek, it's so great to have you here. A great former DEA Special Divisions Officer, Derek Maltz. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. And Eric Adams, New York City mayor, a Democrat, saying we need a national border czar, forgetting that we got one. Uh, Remember this time when Kamala Harris was asked if she's going to go down and see the crisis firsthand, and she just had such a serious answer. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, Not today. (laughs) (laughs) Not today. She only did once. And boy, has she just been a disaster, so much so that you got a Democratic mayor now saying, hey, by the way, we need help. It's getting that bad. By the way, um, also some interesting news from our great newsman, Bob Brown, uh, giving this to me, uh, that the U.S., by the way, is expected to announce a new weapons package for Ukraine on Friday. Uh, Politico reporting that the weapons package is going to include additional artillery, ammunition and armor likely striker armored combat vehicles. We'll keep you posted, but it looks like a new weapons package for Ukraine from the U.S. set to be announced on Friday. Meantime, again, boy, is the border a mess. And what do you attribute it to? And how do we turn this around as we are hitting historic numbers, historic numbers, 250,000. And, you know, we had Derek Maltz on the show and he was basically saying it's interesting because they haven't released the numbers yet officially. It's like this lag time in terms of releasing the numbers because they just don't want to put it out there. They know it looks so bad, Uh, but they got to. The American public, we deserve answers. Let's go to Stan on line five. Stan, your thoughts about this. You know, you're right. Let's head down to the south. Let's head down to the border. Uh, it ain't migrants that I'm worried about. It's domestic migrants, like domestic citizens, like Solomon Pena in New Mexico, who just tried to kill 
for Americans because he didn't like the way the election went. Now, how did he learn about that? He learned from his mentor. Donald Trump. Who oh, that's says, ridiculous. Stan, Stan, yes, it is. Stan, 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 that is the biggest bunch of hogwash. Like Malarkey. anybody, anybody, who's, anybody who's fanatical, it goes back to Trump. Orange man, bad, right? Orange man, bad. Go ahead, Stan. You're like a broken record. I'm not the migrants. I'm not worrying about the migrants. I'm worried oh, yeah. about a domestic terrorist. Hey, Stan, 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 what about the guy who it looks like uh, it looks like a gang group? was responsible for an execution-style murder in Tulare County, killing a 10-month-old boy. I would think I'm a little worried about that. I heard it, absolutely. But domestic terrorism, just as important. Some guy tries to kill people because he wasn't happy with the election results. Sounds like he learned it from somebody who used another way to try to... Hey, Stan, Stan, you know what's amazing? You have never brought up the guy who said he was inspired by Bernie Sanders. Remember who opened fire on all those Capitol Hill... Uh, Congress people remember during the ball two. game for He's some a reason. Maniac too. Good. He's okay. a maniac All right. Too. So now at least at least you're yeah, even don't there. Try, don't keep going to the border a hundred times because you don't know the exact numbers. You what is there a clicker down there? Oh, I guess Stan, Stan. I guess you're there counting each one, and if you count them as well as you count uh, domestic terrorists, boy, are we in trouble. We're going to continue, everybody. Good old Sam thinks he knows it all at the border. <sighs> 1-800-848-9222. And when we come back, no longer do we need to listen to Stan. We're going to listen to John Solomon. That's even better. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. On the Rita Cosby Show, Joe Biden in big time trouble. Now, I predict this is the beginning of the end of his presidency. I said it as soon as I heard like the second batch of documents was found because he only talked about the first batch. And remember, it was like, uh, 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 he couldn't explain himself. The White House couldn't explain themselves. Then that third batch came up right before the special counsel. And then, wow, surprise, surprise, they found another. Well, we just learned in the last few hours that somebody with the special counsels, basically the attorney, I should say, with the White House sort of tied. There's a division, a special counsel assigned to the White House, separate than the special counsel. They're both called special counsels. But for all intents and purposes, the White House attorney just happened when he was going there and searching, found them right away. So it's like they were right there. Like, are they like strewn all over, like, uh, you know, all over Delaware? Like if he goes to the ice cream parlor, are they there in between the vanilla and the chocolate? It's like they're stumbling all over these documents. It makes me wonder how many more are out there. And this is so bad. And there are some new polls that came out that show that Democrats are equally concerned. One poll shows that basically 71 percent of Americans believe that the document discovery is very serious for Joe Biden. And another poll that just came out recently, this is a Yahoo News poll, basically shows that two-thirds of American adults, and that includes a majority of Democrats as well, believe that the documents need to be investigated that were found at his home and his post-vice presidential office. 
that's, again, including a majority of Democrats, and that overwhelmingly Americans are concerned and say this needs to be looked into. So that is not a good sign, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. And now some new details about these double standards that are going around. One of the things we just learned a few hours ago, and this, to me, epitomizes the double standard and the politicization of the Department of Justice. The fact that, as we know, it was like guns blazing at the OK Corral, basically, to go into Mar-a-Lago. And the FBI was very heavy-handed with former President Trump. The National Archives, you would have thought, was like, you know, the U.S. Marshals, the way they were acting. I mean, it's like it was wild to see all that. Now we are learning that there were actually discussions with the FBI and DOJ and the White House and that basically the FBI was kind of offered if they wanted to come in or there were discussions about it. And they said, no. We'll just kind of leave it to the White House attorneys to do the search. Are you kidding me? First of all, that to me just begs the question, why did the FBI turn it down? Why would you ever turn down the opportunity if there are documents that have already been discovered, which it was at that point? Why would you ever turn that down? That just breeds question marks of why would they relinquish that opportunity To first of all, go in because it's the right thing to do because you got to have serious questions about what's going on. And two, it brings integrity and ethics to the process. So why would they actually turn that down unless somebody told them to just kind of leave it in Joe's attorney's hands? That that's the best way to do it. That just begs the question of favoritism, and it just makes me even more suspicious of what really happened. So now we're trusting that Joe Biden's attorneys, who say they happen to stumble upon some here, happen to stumble upon some here, that we're just going to have to take their word for it, like the honor system. I I mean, this is like unbelievable. And again, think about the contrast to President Trump. Here is Jonathan Turley talking about this double standard. Just listen to it. Well, my biggest concern is that none of this makes any sense. I mean, that it would be nice to have a position that makes some small modicum of sense. I mean, here the FBI was offered, according to the Wall Street Journal, the opportunity to conduct the search. Why would you ever turn that down? I mean, there there are plenty of people that can contest your right to get the documents or the access to a to a location. Here, they were offered that access, according to the Wall Street Journal, and there are hundreds and thousands of pages of classification protocol. And effectively, the Department of Justice tossed it all out and went for an honor system uh, given to an unnamed, uncleared private counsel. Now, why would you ever do that? And the argument that, well, we were just trying to preserve the chance to go tougher later makes no sense. You take that position so you could do things like force them to give you access to the documents. They offered to give you access to the documents. So none of this makes any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And joining us now to talk about some of his blockbuster reporting that I've been talking about throughout the show, um, some really explosive details about Hunter Biden's business ventures, which could give us a little bit of insight into some of those documents. And remember, Hunter Biden was at the house with the beloved Corvette. 
doing an engine change. What could go wrong there right next to the pile of documents? Uh, I mean, it's like you can't make it up. Joining us now is the great editor-in-chief of Just the News and great investigative journalist, John Solomon. John, thank you for being with us. you got to kind of – first, let me just – before you get to your reporting real quick, John, your reaction to the fact that that they allowed – you know, basically the Biden attorneys to do the search and trusted them like the honor system that they would be reporting that the FBI relinquished that. That's just stunning compared to the way they handled Trump. Yeah, listen, early on, they let Trump's lawyers look for it when they weren't satisfied that Trump lawyers had uh, given them everything because they had had two or three consecutive discoveries. They went ahead and raided it and they raided it after President Trump personally offered the FBI agents who had come to Mar-a-Lago an opportunity to voluntarily search the property, right? So uh, you look at it here. So President Trump's lawyers got a crack two or three times. They're like, oh, they don't get the crack anymore. They pull out the full uh, raid squad, and they come in, and they do it. Uh, President Biden's offered that chance at the beginning. Now it's been four discoveries total of documents and no raid. Not, And they turned down an opportunity to even voluntarily search the property. I think most people would look at those circumstances and say, Dual system of justice again. One more example of the Justice Department treating two presidents in the same position very differently. And I think that's the problem that Americans have with the FBI right now. They always seem like they're applying different standards. And I think Jonathan Turley hit it on the head. Let's have some common sense. Let's have it make sense. If Right now, the FBI's explanation doesn't add up. Well, it doesn't add up. And the other thing that doesn't add up uh, is the fact that Hunter Biden lived in the House. I keep bringing up the whole Corvette excuse because it's just so crazy. Um, and you've got some really powerful stuff about some of the business associates tied to Hunter Biden and sort of the Joe Biden ties. Kind of explain what you broke. Well, listen, one of the the first place where these classified documents were found were at the Penn Biden Center, which is a entity within the Pennsylvania University of Pennsylvania Ivy League school where Joe Biden worked for two years after he left the uh, Obama White House. He made a handsome $911,000 doing some guest lecturing and running that center, so it's a pretty good deal. And we now know that that center was a large and continuous recipient of Chinese money during the time that President Biden uh, worked there. So what we now know is that the uh, role uh, or the how the University of Pennsylvania job came together, it came through none other than Hunter Biden, the man who was pursuing the Chinese business deals and the man who was pursuing the Ukraine business deals and the man who was closing the Russia business deals. Starting in 2015, Hunter Biden began courting University of Pennsylvania. He engaged in 2016 in a meeting at the Naval Observatory. And he is even the recipient of an email that basically says, here's how uh, Joe Biden is going to get rich when he leaves the Obama White House, talks about wealth creation being one of the goals of the family. So Hunter Biden is involved in creating the job that ultimately lands the center where these uh, these uh, classified documents are located. But even more troubling is the circumstances that lead up to it. What I did is I went through the laptop and basically have read every single email on the laptop that has anything to do with foreign business. You see, starting in 2010, Joe Biden engaging in conversations with his son and one of his son's business partners on the need to explore his earnings potential, his uh, ability to create wealth. 
And that is a continuous conversation that by 2016 has accelerated. And uh, you see Hunter Biden pursuing Chinese money deals, pursuing University of Pennsylvania, where China money is coming in, pursuing deals in Russia and Ukraine and the other places that we know. Joe Biden was a pressure point, according to these emails, on his son to find wealth and wealth opportunities for the family. And that's what leads down this path that ultimately connects him to a Chinese energy company, a Chinese-funded um university, heavily funded university, and other sorted business uh, deals that we now have all come to know all too well because of the laptop. But you know what, John? I, I'm, I'm laughing here because, of course, Biden to this day continues yes. to say he's never met the business partners. And yet you're saying there's information in the laptop showing that Biden is sort of the pressure point pushing his son to go into some of these deals. And clearly, uh, engage with the business partners. He claims he's never met him, even though there's pictures of them and there's logs that they went to the White House. That's just a flat-out lie, right? Is that what you're saying? It is. Listen, Eric Schwerwin, who was a business partner at Rosemont Seneca, was handling uh, President uh, uh, Biden, then-Vice President Joe Biden's taxes. And one time he writes a famous email saying uh, the president, Joe Biden, wants to repay his son for some money that the son had given him by uh, donating or directing his Delaware a tax refund to his son, Hunter Biden. So he, there's a business partner that are, is irrefutably intertwined with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. One of the Chinese business partners acknowledges that during the 2013 famous trip aboard Air Force Two that Joe Biden briefly met with him. Uh, the uh, Burisma business partners acknowledge meeting with him, and we, we even have the emails acknowledging that Joe Biden met with um, with one of those business partners. And then in 2017, the, one of the other Chinese business partners meets with Joe Biden at least once. So the, the president has looked in the camera and told us this, but the body of evidence now in the public, now in the possession of the FBI in the form of the laptop, directly contradicts what the president has told us all. And um, we just have about a minute or two left, John, but you are such a great investigative reporter. You know, we've heard reports that these documents – uh, that were at the Penn Biden Center. And I don't know about elsewhere, but we know at least the Penn Biden Center, there were reports that they were Chinese related, Iranian. We've heard also word of Chinese. Have you heard anything about what's in these classified documents or even the other ones that were found by his beloved Corvette? There are uh, only a couple of confirmations. We have been able to confirm at Just the News that there is at least one document involving Ukraine, which, by the way, is where his son had significant business dealings, and one document involving Iran. The Iran document's interesting because a lot of people don't remember this, but Hunter Biden was in business with a man named Patrick Ho. It was one of his Chinese business dealings. In the period of 2017, it's part of that famous deal that there's the talk of the big guy, the 10% being reserved for Joe Biden. Patrick Ho was arrested in late 2017, charged with attempting to bribe African officials uh, with, uh, to get Chinese energy deals. He's charged by the United States government. In that court filing, they would later go on to allege that Patrick Ho, who gets convicted, by the way, was trying to help Iran evade the sanctions that they were facing for their nuclear program. So there's even an Iran connection in the background of Hunter Biden's various business partners and associates. So having an Iran document in the, in the possession in an insecure location would raise a lot more concern uh, for some people. Yeah, for sure. And I, I thought just Hunter was changing the uh, the engine on the Corvette all this time, John. Wow. Uh, John, you always have such great stuff. Everybody, make sure you check out Just the News. John always has the best big breaking stuff. Uh, John, thank you for being Thanks, with us. Rita, we love having you on. Thank you. And everybody, when we come back, we're going to take your calls. You just heard John Solomon. Wow, some really explosive stuff. And also showing the intertwining 
of these business partners that Biden says he's never met uh, tied to his son who made big bucks. Ka-ching, ka-ching. Boy, does this look bad for Biden. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. song for George Santos, which we're going to be talking about in the next few minutes. Boy, if you think the George Santos story is wacky, it's taken a whole wild turn. And we're going to talk about that. Although little girl would fit for Biden that part, too, with the hair sniffing and all that stuff. We are talking, of course, about the fact that classified documents right now more and more seem to come up and some new details that are troubling Democrats and Republicans, according to latest polls, that the FBI basically said, no, 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 don't worry about it. We're just going to trust you and your attorneys to find these documents. And so far, it's basically been the private attorneys for Joe Biden that have been making these discoveries, and we're basically trusting their judgment. And many of them, by the way, don't have security clearances. That's a whole other issue, too. Apparently, only one of them so far And on a number of occasions, others that have located the documents don't have security clearances. That's a huge national security issue in and of itself. Well, Jim Jordan, who is, of course, on a lot of the key committees now in the new House GOP, had this to say about this revelation. Well, my biggest concern is that none of this makes any sense. I mean, that it would be nice to have a position that makes some small modicum of sense. I mean, here, the FBI was offered, according to the Wall Street Journal, the opportunity to conduct the search. Why would you ever turn that down? I mean, there, there are plenty of people that can contest your right to get the documents or the access to a, to a location. Here, they were offered that access, according to the Wall Street Journal. And there are hundreds and thousands of pages of classification protocol. And effectively, the Department of Justice tossed it all out and went for an honor system uh, given to an unnamed, uncleared private counsel. Now, why would you ever do that? And the argument that, well, we were just trying to preserve the chance to go tougher later makes no sense. You take that position so you could do things like force them to give you access to the documents. They offered to give you access to the documents. So none of this makes any sense. Doesn't make any sense. And that is, of course, constitutional law professor Jonathan Turley. I wanted to play that again, actually, just because it doesn't. And he's a legal expert. And it's just it is stunning. The double standards here. Uh, Let's go to BJ. Line three, BJ, your thoughts about all of this. At uh, D.O. Uh, Rita. Yep, I hear you. Sorry about that. Go ahead, no BJ. No worries. We're, we're leading uh, up to you. It's such a pivotal moment when you call every it, night. Go it, ahead, it, BJ. Itchy, itchy and uh, it, I'm still laughing at Itchy and Scratchy from before. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he was making me laugh they, with the clicker at the border. I could see him down there like that. Oh, yeah, anyway. you're, talking, you're talking about uh, Stan, your friend Stan. That's right. Yeah, Stan the man. DOJ <laughs> does nothing about this. 
uh, we're going to really, really have to beat the drum to get the people to uh, in, in Congress to really, really make a stink about this. Yeah, 1000 percent. I agree with you. Um, and that's why we have to keep the pressure on. And it still doesn't make any sense, BJ, why we found out about it two months later. We're going to take your calls after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story coming from Fort Hood, Texas, where the 3rd Armored Corps and U.S. Army Garrison Fort Hood leadership formally recognized a retired soldier for his gallantry during the Vietnam War. Uh, the main commanding general there at the base presented Staff Sergeant retired John Footman with the Purple Heart and the Bronze Star for Valor. And it happened today. Sergeant Footman is known in the local community as a regular volunteer with the nonprofit Star Group Veterans Helping Veterans. Footman himself is a Vietnam veteran and was presented with his awards 33 years after his retirement from the Army. He was deployed to Vietnam twice in his career and was never formally presented his awards for service and gallantry during combat. Upon hearing the story about that missing piece, of course, of being recognized, Fort Hood leadership stepped up to change that. And after he received those awards, Footman said, following the ceremony, I feel really great right now. This was a terrific ceremony, a great event, and something that I waited for longer than I ever thought. How beautiful to see him finally recognized. And to all of our great Vietnam veterans, I know many of you listen to this show. Welcome home. We love you and we appreciate you. Well, we are talking, of course, about President Biden and hot water. New polls showing that even Democrats are incredibly dissatisfied with the situation. And here's Congressman Jim Jordan, I mentioned it earlier, who says it does not make any sense the fact that the FBI has been so easy and so easygoing with the attorneys for President Biden. You know, they're searching here, searching there. Take your time. Hand it in whenever. No big deal. Meanwhile, these documents seem to be strewn all over. And even to date, they are still trusting the attorneys to uncover the evidence. Don't they seem a little lenient? And doesn't it seem like a whole different standard than they did with President Trump? Well, here is Jim Jordan talking about that. Take a listen. Uh, and nothing makes sense to me, as, as Professor Turley said. You know, we, they, they, they find the documents at the Penn Center on November 2nd. They find additional documents in the garage on December 18th. There's a press report on January 9th about the, uh, the Biden Center documents that they found in November. Then the White House comes out and confirms those. But they don't tell us about the ones that they found on December 18th, even though they already knew about it. 
Why not just be clear with the American people? So I don't understand any of this. I don't understand why they were looking in the first place. Did Joe Biden suddenly yeah, remember this? I doubt it. So why, why did why did, were they looking on November 2nd? Why did they wait and tell us after the election, even though they raided President Trump's home 91 days before the, uh, the election? Nothing makes sense here. Yeah, nothing makes sense. And it's so bad that even the press corps at the White House, which has been just so soft peddling and so easygoing on President Biden, the only time I've ever heard them start grilling him, remember after the Afghan withdrawal, they were like, Mr. President, that's not what you said. That's not what you said was going to happen. You told us this. Uh, at least they asked some tough questions there, deservedly so. But they've given him a free pass on so many other areas. But today, you can tell each day, it is so obvious that now NBC, CBS, ABC, all these groups are really hammering him and saying, how come you can't tell us this? How come you can't tell us this? We're supposed to trust you on this. Uh, it's so bad that even the mainstream media is just going back and forth and shaking their heads. you got to hear this exchange uh, with one of the reporters today with Corinne Jean-Pierre during the White House briefing just a few hours ago. I want to uh, reference an interview that President Biden did mid-September with 60 Minutes. And in that interview, he chided former President Trump for having in his possession classified documents. He called it irresponsible. First of all, do you think it was proper for President Biden to comment on an ongoing DOJ investigation? So I'm going to say this. Uh, and going to keep it really short today as it relates to this particular issue, as it relates to an ongoing uh, legal matter. I am going to refer you to Department of, Just, uh, Department of Justice with the, that specific as it relates to uh, anything that you want to ask of us uh, about uh, this, uh, this legal matter. I would refer you to the White House Counsel uh, Office. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Not going to go I'm into further. And I just, I, I just commented. I just commented. We're moving on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I already answered your question. Go ahead. Well, I, I did. Well, it's your, it's your opinion. It's your opinion. It's your opinion. That is your opinion. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's like a, a regular press conference with the press and Donald Trump. That would be called an easy day for Donald Trump. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eddie uh, in Babylon. Line 8. Eddie, your thoughts about all of this stuff and these new developments that we're talking about tonight? Uh, well, new developments, Rita. I need to go off uh, speakerphone so you can hear me better. i be rude. Uh, my Danish-Polish sister. Thank you, Eddie. Um, yeah, well, uh, I got to mention every time when I met you at St. Patrick's Cathedral at Bernard McGurk's memorial, you were, you were prettier than anybody's ever taken a picture of you. And uh, Eddie, were you drinking you, that day? Uh, what are you doing drinking at church? Oh, oh no, I'm drinking now. Uh, <laughs> well, either way, a, think, either way, that's a good I, thing. <laughs> I think in a Lutheran in the Lutheran church they give you real wine. Yeah, that's uh, true. The germ. So, uh, no, I, <laughs> no I thank you. you. By the way, Eddie, thank you for the very beautiful compliment. That's very well, sweet. Yeah, but I, I have to tell you, don't cut me off. Oh, my God. No, we didn't off. cut you off, Ed. You're here. Oh, okay, okay. There you are. So I have to give you this, that, you know, Hunter Biden was actually uh, renting Joe's house, right, for 50 k a month. Yes. Isn't that unbelievable? Well, is, I mean, what well, kind of what kind of person? Yeah. I mean, is that not shocking? That well, boy, is that fishy? No, no, but, but also, Rita, documents were in there. So Hunter Biden had possession of documents. 
and he was a drug addict, and he was getting money from where China and um, China, Russia, Russia Ukraine. The list goes on Who and on. Ed, who's he dating? Were these secure? Obviously not, because even by Biden's own admission, and Eddie, you just hit the exact Gosh. point that is the most yeah. frightening point of it all, is that here they are roaming around this house. I mean, they're by by Biden's own admission, they're sitting there next to his beloved Corvette that is in a garage that you just hit a button, open, close, like, you know, any old garage. And he claims that that's secure. Obviously, it's not. So that's why they had to come out and said, yeah, he mishandled documents. Uh, but they still won't say who came in and out of that house. But we know Hunter lived there, just as you said, not just paid rent, some exorbitant amount of rent, which clearly needs to be looked into. 50000 a month is like obviously whopping. There's something blaring there. Uh, but in addition to that, he l- was living there, they believe, for like a year or two. So, boy, are there so many questions with that. Ed, I'm so glad you reminded us of that because that, to me, this is what I think is really the beginning of the end of Biden. I think it obviously looks bad that he's fumbly, bumbly, can't remember where the documents are. But I think this opens an enormous can of worms for him that he never wanted to be opened about Hunter. Clearly, they were putting pressure to suppress it prior to the election last time. We didn't know about we knew about it from The New York Post, but nobody else. A lot of other people were not touching it. So they've been trying to, you know, put Hunter Biden business deals low key. And now it is like coming up like, you know, like a like a fish out of water. Um, And there's no way that I don't think that they can ignore this right now. Because if you look at the way that investigators, in fact, the GOP has said the fact that there is no visitor logs, they won't give any visitor logs. They say none exist. Well, guess what? Okay. well, then we're going to subpoena your son. We're going to subpoena the gardener. We're going to subpoena the postman, the milkman, uh, the ice cream guy, because, you know, he came by there twice a day with uh, Joe Biden. You know, I mean, there's you got to imagine like anybody and their brother they went after. So now they're going to this is this is going to get so messy for Joe Biden. Ed, you hit it on the head. And, And because you gave me all those compliments, I love you even more. Ed, thank you. Very, very much. Uh, let's go to Alex, line seven. Alex, your thoughts about this? Yeah, you know, I'm just wondering, why doesn't Karine Jean-Pierre quit? She didn't sign up for this job. She signed up for, she didn't sign up to get all these tough questions. I mean, she's the a Democratic president's press secretary. So she shouldn't be getting all this heat. They shouldn't be asking her these tough questions. I mean, Dana Perino, she knew when she became the press secretary, she was going to get the tough questions. But uh, Karine Jean-Pierre is clearly not prepared for this. But you know what's really funny about this story? Uh, you, you spoke about the polls that came out where Democrats are really upset about this. You know why? Because Joe Biden cooked his own pot of soup when he went after Trump for the past few months. If he wouldn't have gone after Trump at that level and said that Trump was extremely responsible and he should be held accountable and not be able to run again, the Democratic voters wouldn't be so mad about this story because this is not as bad as it is. It's not, it's not the worst thing that ever happened in politics. No, but- you know, Alex, you hit it on the head. You're right, because it looks so hypocritical. And that's the issue that he blasted him in that September 2022 interview with 60 Minutes saying, you know, oh, it's incredibly irresponsible. How could somebody do that? And meanwhile, he had them all over the place and, and, you know, in all these different locations. And you could make the case that obviously Trump's in a locked padlocked location at Mar-a-Lago is a heck of a lot more secure than sitting in a garage, you know, that a drugged out son has access to. 
I mean, you know, it's it's just it is stunning the recklessness of the way that Joe Biden handled the documents. And I think we're going to hear a lot more about this. I mean, to me, uh, there is no doubt about it. Let's go to John, line eight from Pennsylvania. John, your thoughts about this. I just I, I hear you about three, four times a week, and I haven't heard anybody say, can't you figure it out? This is nothing but a setup. It's a setup on Biden. Now, who's doing it, John? Who's doing it? By the way, I agree that I think some people in the Democratic Party are happy that this is coming out. But what, you believe what they planted the documents? Where are you going? Well, yeah. I mean, why would you have lawyers cleaning your stuff out that supposedly are Biden's lawyers? Well, I'll bet you. I'll guarantee Pelosi planted all this because she's all mad because she's not speaker anymore. Ah, that's an interesting point. Although, John, there's no evidence that anybody planted it. And Joe's even admitted to being, uh, what is it, inadvertently mishandling the documents. That's sort of the phrasing. Uh, I think, though, that there is some maybe nefarious Democratic work in terms of getting the story out. Because I think that the DOJ coordinating with the White House, my instincts, that they clearly did not want to put it out. They didn't put it out for two months. They buried it, and I think they were hoping it'd never see the light of day. So I think you're on to something that there is some sort of machine behind it trying to get it out there. Uh, who knows? I'm sure there's a lot of people on the Democratic side that are kind of happy that Joe looks like a sinking ship like the Titanic right now. Um, so who knows where it's going to go? Great point, Joan. You never know. You never know. And speaking of sinking ships, uh, I want to talk about George Santos because there are some stunning new details that are coming out tonight. And I want to make sure we get to it here in the last hour of the show tonight, just because this is shocking, guys. I've talked to you about George Santos. I mean, he obviously uh, was lying about his education. This is, of course, now Congressman George Santos. He was sworn in in the 118th Congress not too long ago. And, of course, they found out before, right before he was sworn in, you know, lied about his faith, lied about his family, lied about his education, whole bunch of stuff saying he's not Jewish, he's Jewish. I mean, it's like the list goes on and on. And I thought I heard it all, but there are lots of revelations tonight. And I want to hear your thoughts if you think that this just now is like beyond the pale. First off, a report that he basically scammed a dying veteran, a veteran who was very sick and his service dog who uh, had a life-threatening stomach tumor. They apparently, uh, there was a fund me, a GoFundMe page that they were raising money for this dog who was helping a veteran, which is always beautiful and a lot of support dog. And, of course, there's such a bond between the veteran and the dog. And apparently, once this GoFundMe page hit $3,000, a guy by the name of Anthony DeVolder, which, by the way, I said to you that George Santos's name was not George Santos that I questioned. Because when somebody lies about all that stuff, it's like, is that even his real name? His real name may be Anthony DeVolder because... He set up some GoFundMe site under the name of Anthony DeVolder, according to this veteran. And once they raised $3,000 to help this dying dog, this Anthony DeVolder, a.k.a. George Santos, according to the veteran, says that the DeVolder guy closed and deleted the fundraising page and became hard to reach before he disappeared altogether. 
So he may have scammed a veteran who was trying to raise money to help his beautiful companion dog. And then there's another report tonight, if things don't get crazier. Remember how George Santos said that his mother died as a result of 9-11 and made it sound like she died on 9-11. Then he kind of tried to parse words, well, no, it was from being there at 9-11. Turns out, according to reports, George Santos's late mother was nowhere near the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001, according to a report. Immigration records show, despite his claim, that she was in her native Brazil for the entirety of 2001. She also, we know, did pass away a number of years later, sadly, but there's no record that she was at the World Trade Center. She died of cancer 15 years after the attack in 2016. And then if things don't get wacky enough, I never thought I'd be talking about this, but George Santos apparently also was known as a drag queen in Brazil, where he is now apparently wanted for embezzlement because they reopened an embezzlement investigation against him. And that apparently a fellow drag queener saw him when he was sworn into Congress, right, or around that time in the last few week or so, and remembers him under a different name. Uh, his name was Cabas, and then another name, Katara, he went by in Brazil. There's even a picture of him, which is, he looks pretty good. He's like nice dress. He's got a nice dress on here. And apparently... He was dressed as a drag queen in Brazil. The fellow drag queener said that she met, she, he met, uh, George Santos when he was around 16, 17 years old. And he went by the name of Anthony DeVolder back then too. So the plot thickens. And he also had another name, Anthony Dabrowski. He used like two or three different names. And apparently he wasn't good enough to become a full-time, uh, professional. The fellow drag queener says George did not have the glamour for that. So he wasn't able to be a professional, to take it to the professional level, but said that he was doing some drag stuff a whole bunch of different times and went by this other name. So also this drag queen person says, you know, when I saw the name George Santos, it was like, who is this person? I saw the background saying that's not, that's this other person. That's this Katera drag queen and a person who went by all these other different stories and saying, quote, George Santos has, quote, lied about everything. So when we come back, I want to take your calls. How bad does this look for George Santos? Um, I mean, the drag queen is kind of wild. But the fact that he lied about his mother, who doesn't seem to have even been in the country during 9-11, and now this terrible story that he, according to this veteran, scammed the veteran and donors out of $3,000 that was supposed to help his beloved dog, his companion dog, that was dying of cancer. If that's true, this guy is beyond despicable. one 800 848 and we'll take your calls when we come back. The Rita Cosby Show. Developments tonight on the Rita Cosby Show. A veteran saying that George Santos scammed him out of $3,000 for his dying service dog. Also reports that George Santos was uh, dressed as a drag queen and went by a different name. 
and that he may have lied, it looks like, about his mother being uh, severely injured and killed on 9-11. I mean, is there anything else? 1-800-848-9222. But if you listen to George Santos, he's a good guy. Down to the nit and gritty. I'm not a fraud. I'm not a, a criminal who defrauded the entire country and made up this fictional character and ran for Congress. I've been around a long time. I mean, a lot of people know me. They know who I am. They've done business dealings with me. I'm not going to make excuses for this, but a lot of people overstate in their resumes or um, twist a little bit or ingrandiate themselves. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of that. Well, it sounds like he was a fictitious character. Maybe George Santos isn't his real name because... Other people are saying he went by other different names when they knew him, including when he was dressed at a drag queen event. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to TJ, line four. TJ, your thoughts about all this? Hey, Rita. Uh, thank you. Uh, my, my thought is if he keeps this up, he could run for the Senate in Connecticut. Um, and that way, you know, he could make up stories about Vietnam and some other stuff like Blumenthal. What about uh, saying listen, that he's guy, an Indian and maybe he's from yeah, Massachusetts? Well, he, listen, first of all, when he said I, he was 275 pounds and played volleyball, right there, you should have just known. Like, like in Chicago with that fake guy, nobody goes to Subway at 2.30 in the morning. So you, you know these people are just full of crap. Santos should walk away. But at the end of the day, if Santos was a Democrat, you'd have the LBGQ community saying he's being picked on because he's gay. Bottom line, he's a Republican. They are a noity one. Yeah, the guy's a liar and he's a piece of scum. But at the end of the day, he didn't do anything illegal. Well, he, well, he may have, by the way, me. by the way, TJ and and TJ, where I come from, I, I agree with you. I don't like uh, Blumenthal, uh, his lies. Clearly, Elizabeth Warren, I was referring to exaggerated, you know, her background too. believe me, I there's a lot of if you use the lie as the uh, clarifier and the barometer, there's not going to be barely any Democrats left you know, on Capitol Hill and some other Republicans probably, too. But what's interesting here in this case, I mean, Brazil claims that it is reopening up an embezzlement case against him. And that's obviously a funds case that he, like, stole somebody's checkbook out of his mother's purse. And it wasn't his mother's checkbook. It was someone else's. So, I mean, there there may be some foreign charges that may be coming. They claim that he skipped town. And now we're hearing that he may have stolen from this veteran. So that could be something illegal. It could have been fraud. So we're going to get to the bottom of it, TJ. But I hear you. I hate the hypocrisy. I hate it. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.